Motown Rundown, it is January 13th of the new year, 2021. What day is it today of the week, though? Does anyone Wednesday. know? It's Wednesday as we record today. Nice, dude. Wednesday. All right. Welcome back. Big day today. The NHL is back. Um, we have a lot to talk about. But first, let's check in with the boys. Trent Collins, how are we feeling? Very good, but I, I'm not going to let you just toss it to us right away because our boy here, Ryan Rabinowitz, turned 23 yes. last year last week, so we need to we – I had no idea, him. by the way, Rabs. Not good with birthdays. Hate to, hate, hate to tell you I missed out on that. I'm sorry. That's okay, buddy. Maybe that will – Apologize. Me next year. Apologize. <laughs> give me so, next year. No, nonetheless, whether we're good or not with birthdays – we have yep. to at least ask about how your birthday was. What did you do? How'd it go? Um, well, thank you for asking. Um, it was good, man. I mean, like within like within COVID times, there's not a ton you can do. Um, the day before my birthday, I went to Top Golf with some buddies, which was great until we walk in and you find out that you can't get food or drink there anymore. So yeah, that's tough. you're essentially you're essentially just there waiting 15 minutes in between balls just staring at everyone else in the group, which was tough, uh, but fun nonetheless. What did I do on my actual birthday? Oh, on my actual birthday, I went down to the uh, the old sports book at Greektown. Nice. Uh, Seven-unit seven loss uh, for me on the day on the old Bills game, so that was uh, that was a little tough and then had some Wait, was with that? the family. You bet on the Colts? No, no, no. I, it's, I, I bet on the, the Bills. Yeah. I, I, I had the Bills minus six and a half. I had the under at 50 and a right half, bat. and I hit 51. That was a right bat, Ravs. Right bat. I, I, I was on the wrong side of everything. A- absolutely. Actually, let me take you through it before, before I move into my other festivities. Um, so I had, the, I had the Bills minus six and a half. That obviously didn't hit. I was waiting in line for the, the lines at this casino to get to these kiosks for the sports book. They were – it was egregious. Like, I it was a little, little scary being in there, but – we were, everyone was masked up, whatever. So the line was at, or the total was at 51. And I was going in there taking the under no matter what. And of course, when I get up to the kiosk five minutes late after the game starts, drops to 50 and a half, I take the under, it hits 51. So you Hate get screwed there. Then I wanted to take the Colts plus four and a half for the first half. Of course, I get in line and they're plus four and a half. I get up to the kiosk, they're plus three and a half. They're down by four going into halftime because someone jumped off sides. When it was fourth and whatever for the Bills, could have kicked the field goal. I'm fine. I'm in the money, whatever. So I lose those. I lose those three bets. Then I press. The day's almost over. I got to go home for dinner. I see that on the on the kiosk we got like plus four twenty five, plus four fifty for the game to go to overtime with the Colts down three or whatever. Whatever they were a field goal away, and they drive all the way down the field, and I got to watch my guy. And they even they give me a they give me a phantom fumble they give me a no fumble on that play which was the most it was the most Dude, egregious fumble of all that was time. unbelievable yeah they say they saved yeah. me on that i'm on the ground i'm i'm licking the carpet on the ground at greek town because i'm so disgusted that i placed that bet the guy fumbles to end the game they give it to me and then phil rivers goes two-step drop bag out of bounds out of bounds threw his entire career away and then threw a duck 10 yards short of the end zone at the end of the game and i couldn't get overtime so Whatever you walk out, you walk out seven units down, and that just is what it is. But had some dinner with the family, um, and then went to downtown Northville for some cocktails with some friends around the fire. Nice socially distance uh, 
evening there. So it was good. But I'm glad you said LeBron year, Trent, because I've been calling it the LeBron year as well, and people are getting mad at me. Well, it is the LeBron year. Is, there's no other, is there another name? I've never heard another name. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, kidding, of course. I kid because I care. I will say, I will say, well, first of all, both Mr. and Mrs. Bally gave me a happy birthday shout out on the Facebook. Jesus. Oh, I mean, I looked like I couldn't I mean, even. I have to say, you should have hit me up with a tats. I have to say this. I That's, came home. I mean, I just looked like an idiot. I mean, you hate to see that. Hey, Collins, Collins. Mrs. Bally, hit better. me up and let me know it's his birthday. How did you know it was his birthday, Trent? How did I know? I remember everyone's birthday. <laughs> Trent's got it. a shit person. Got, got it in the Rolodex. Yours, yours is, yours is uh, March 16th. Yeah, god damn it. I don't know. Whoa, yeah, nice. I have a good memory. I have a very good memory with that kind of thing. But, Rabs, I got to tell you. So, I came home for a couple nights because uh, my little brother is still here on breaks. So we like hanging out and whatever. But I walk in. And the first thing my mom says to me is, hey, hey, Trent, guess what? So I wished Rabs happy birthday, and he loved mine. And then my, and then dad wished him a happy birthday, Gave and he life. liked it. Yeah. Well, oh, I, mean, I had to explain oh. to her that I had to explain to her that she wasn't necessarily more special. It's just that is what the norm is: is to love the mother. Yeah, man. Like I mean, I, if I go out, if I go out throwing your dad a heart on Facebook, I think that kind of gives off <laughs> the wrong message. That's what I said. That's what I said. But no anyways, love, I just want to bring that up. No love from the Bally brothers, though. I was a little shocked. I didn't get a, I didn't get a phone call from Brock well, or something out of the especially, movie, But it's all Brock's right. Brock's a huge, Brock's a huge fan, but he he airs more on the Collins side in this aspect. So that's fine. No, it's, I. When I didn't, you know, I was thinking, you kind of get in your brain as the clock's getting to midnight on the day after your birthday yeah. of like, who didn't, who didn't send me a text today? And, yeah. you know, I, but I didn't, Collins, it's like, it's, it's part of your brand to like, you're just, it's like a, Being like asshole? An ignorance is, is that bliss. part of my brand? No, no, no. It's like an ignorance is, it's like an ignorance is bliss thing. Like Collins. No, was, I, I, there's probably like two people I know the birthdays of, and it's like my mom and dad, honestly. Other than I, by the way, forgot my mom's birthday about three years ago. Still feel Ooh. bad about it. Till this I think time. you've, I think you've told this story before. That's yeah, like... not good, not good. But how, hey, uh, before we get in, I know we're not going to talk about Pistons today. I just want to like, quick little shout out. Aaron, Blake Griffin is so bad at basketball. Yeah, it, oh, it's, it's looking like a longer rebuild than anticipated for your Detroit Pistons. We'll it's not. It, it it looks, and the fact that Tyrese Halliburton has played very well to start the year. Makes you kind of cringe, even though Killian yeah. Hayes is injured. But I, I just wanted to mention that. All the hype in, like, hey, guys, Blake Griffin was, like, third-team All-NBA, like, two years ago. I was wrong. He stinks. So, uh, and, and it's not his fault. It's just his athletic ability. It's just not there anymore. But he stinks at basketball. Just want to mention that before we kind of move on. Oh, good. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I had a little bit of Pistons in here. But if you guys – Did you? We can – well, we can. I, I want them to. I mean, they up. stink. We don't. I, I feel <laughs> like we should. We should talk a little Red Wings. We we've kind of. Well, of course, today the the, today is the day that people have been waiting for, as far as the uh, the Detroit Red Wings season preview that I've been promising for the last month or so. Um, so I guess we can hop right in if you guys if you yeah, guys want to. Yeah, because we uh, don't need to talk about the Pistons. Killian Hayes is hurt. Seiku doesn't get minutes still, and <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. So I mean, Jeremy Grant's been good. Other than that, I don't want to talk about it because it makes me upset. Maybe the Pistons should hire. Um, maybe the Pistons should hire Matt Patricia. So they, can, they can look at the tape and uh, they can coach better. And then, uh, then maybe Seku will get minutes. Maybe, maybe they should hire nice. me. I'll, I'll figure it out. I want to be GM. 
player Collins. Collins for head coach. Yeah, Collins for head coach. I'll fa- say two will get minutes under my regime. All right, well, we'll move into the Red Wing stuff now. Um, what is it again? It's the 13th. So the NHL is back as of today. Um, I was watching the Pittsburgh and Philly game uh, earlier Philly today, which is great. So they, yeah, they, I mean, those are two teams that are that are usually always competing for a playoff spot. Philly's got a chance to make a run this year, by the way. So yeah, keep nasty. your eyes peeled. You heard it here first. Um, so as you're probably hearing this on hopefully Thursday, the 14th to get your preview in before the Red Wings hit the ice against the Carolina hurricanes, um, uh, which is on the 14th, I believe it's a, is it seven o'clock? It could be eight o'clock. Who knows? I have no idea. There's no fans who cares. Um, but so Red Wings season preview, um, big news today. And I'm almost, I know we're a little bit behind as far as the week goes in recording this, but I'm actually glad that we, um, did not do this until tonight because as of today, um, Dylan Larkin was named the 37th captain in franchise history. Um, I guess this is something for me that he, he's been an alternate captain. Okay. All right. Well, well, I'd love to get you in the mix. I know no, this no, is no, no, more no, like no. Trent goes radio silence. So I'm not turning you off. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I just, I, I just, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll come. I'll complete the spiel. Um, so, I, I mean, he's, he's been an alternate captain the last two years for the Wings, obviously. He's 24 as it sits right now. Um, I believe he's here for at least three more years, maybe four on like a $6.1 million deal. So, at least you have the guy locked up. Um, some comments from Steve Eiserman today and, and Jeff Blashill, they didn't have enough good things to say about the kid. And, I mean, granted, if he's getting handed the C for such a historic organization – um, I, I would expect nothing less. So I think now for what, what this does for me, I mean, number one, congrats to Dylan Larkin. Uh, the, he does get, there's that narrative out there with Dylan Larkin, as far as like, does he take it that seriously? Like, is he, is he a true leader whatever? I mean, he's 24 years old. So yeah. Is he still a kid? Of course, like he's around our age. So, you know, forgive the guy for, for having a bit of a nightlife and wanting to still be a kid and, and getting adjusted to being having all this weight. I mean, once, once Zetterberg walked away, I mean, the entire franchise was put on this kid's shoulders. So, and he's been doing it for the last handful of years. So, I mean, I I think that Dylan Larkin, I I really believe that he wants to win here. I mean, he's a hometown kid. You know, he grew up in Michigan. He went to U of M for a year. I just think for me, this is a very big step that the organization is taking and naming him the captain this year, because now, I mean, you know, and you look at the wings in their in their history. I mean, in the past 20 to 30 years, you've had Iserman, you've had Zetterberg, you've had Lidstrom, and now you have Larkin. So it's not like in recent history since Iserman's been the captain, they don't just shuffle the deck and throw the sea around very lightly. So to be the captain of this organization, as Larkin mentioned today in his press conference, is obviously a huge honor for the people that have come before him. It, it's it, The weird thing about it is like, it doesn't have the same feel as a Zetterberg or Lidstrom. And that's, you know, when, when you hear his name in that company, it's not really comfortable for me yet. But again, on the flip side, as I said, he's 24 years old. Zetterberg and Lidstrom were not getting handed the captaincy at 24 years old. You know, obviously Lidstrom took it off the hands of Iserman when he retired and then Zetterberg after Lidstrom. So it is just the passing of the torch. I think that this was, it's, it's not something that was a surprise to anyone of him being handed the C. 
Um, alternates this year also will be Franz Nielsen and Luke Glendening, who both served as alternates last year. Um, the other al alternate was Justin Advocator, who, of course, was bought out and is no longer with the Wings. Um, and those are two guys that, I mean, I don't even know if Glendening will be around next year. Franz Nielsen, people, I mean, the guy can't leave town fast enough with how he played last year, and he's here for two more years. So <laughs> um, congrats congrats to Dylan Larkin. Um you know, I, I just think that, like I said, it's a it's a very big step for the organization that they have officially named him the captain. Um, and it seems like he's got, you know, a, a pretty good feel for the locker room and guys respect him even at his young age. So um, good for him. I The one take I have about Dylan Larkin, and I think when you look around the NHL, like I don't think necessarily your best player has to be your captain. I really don't. And I think Dylan Larkin is a good fit. Cause you're right, Rabs. He has all the history surrounding the area. Guy grew up a Red Wings fan, and you see the video today. It's like it's pretty cool. Like he puts that. He sees the seas. I do. This is this is crazy. Like he, yeah, he, yeah. He's basically like this is bizarre, which I can't even imagine that because I mean, growing up a Wings fan, it's either Stevie, yeah, Nick, yeah. Like you're just so used to that. But right. I mean, it. it everyone kind of expected it. Like maybe like a year and a half ago, for this to eventually happen, and just didn't. So. You're right, Rabs. I think it's more of a commitment to Larkin and him being here. And and I think of these group of guys with him with the C on the chest. I just, like I said, I don't think the best player has to be the captain, but I, I don't think Dylan Larkin is necessarily like a franchise piece or a cornerstone, as that's fair to say. Like, he's a good player. And I think he, on a championship contending team, and I know this one team is very, very far away. And that, like, it, I'm just saying, I don't – I'm very curious to see how the next three to four years play out because I see a scenario – like, I, I don't see – I see a scenario where Dylan Larkin is not in Detroit in four years. Like, you know really? what I mean? Yes, I can see a scenario like that. And, and I don't know. I, 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 I think the C on the chest probably discredits what I think in that aspect. But I don't know. It was interesting to see. I think he – I don't know if he deserves it, but like at this point, like you haven't had a captain for what two years? Like yeah, you might as well like name someone, name someone, and, and I think Dylan Larkin's the best candidate for it. So why not? Yeah, well, Rams, I mean, can I have two questions? I'm curious to hear your perspective on this because I think what Collins is saying is Larkin can't be your best player if you're going to compete for a no, Stanley Cup. Yeah, well, I and, think that's true. I think that's obvious. Well, Okay, well, and we know the Wings aren't really doing that this season, but I just – I Rabs, you kind of talked about it earlier, but I'm just curious, like, how much better do you think he can actually get? Like, do you see him taking a step this year? Um, I, I do. Uh, if, if you look at statistics-wise, from his inception in the league, and I think 2015 – um, he's put up more and more points each year. Last year was the first year that he's actually taken a step back um, as far as his production. And I just chalked it up to the fact that he played on legitimately the worst hockey team that maybe the league yes. has seen in decades. So I, I can't really fault him too much for that. Um, I, I just, you know, there's a, that's the, it's a, you bring up a great point Collins and I kind of wanted to get to it when we talked about the roster, but you know, Dylan Larkin gets this rap that he's on a, on a good team. Like you said, Collins, he's a second line center at best. And I, I see Not where that argument. Well, I, 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 I see, I, see where can that I argument say where my comes from. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I, like, 
you made a good point there too. He hasn't played with any really good players. Like their line is fine and whatever, but like you look at their back ends the last like five to six years, not getting any help there from the offensive side of the like, you know what I mean? Correct. So I like he definitely can like prove me wrong in that aspect once you like get like a supporting cast and, and some more experience and better players once the piston, I mean the red ones, excuse me, start to like make some actual free agent splashes and stuff like that. And, and some of these draft picks start to come up from Grand Rapids. I, I you can continue, but like I, there's room for improvement. I just I haven't seen it yet where he's just the cornerstone piece. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and, and to kind of get back to Trent's question too, he definitely has the makeup of being a, a no doubter, like first line NHLer. I, and if you actually look at the, the Larkin Mantha Bertuzzi line, which is primarily what the wings rolled with last year. And what I think they'll roll out as their first line this year, they they're, they're about middle of the pack in the league, as far as production goes for a top line. So I know when you see lines come in, like Bergeron, Marchand and Pasternak from Boston, and you, you, you put them up against a line like that, or like Tampa Bay's first line with Kucherov. I mean, Stamkos will come back this year. Kucherov actually out the entire year this year, but point being is, they may look a bit lopsided, but when it comes to production, they actually fare decently well, more so than people would think. Um, I would just say, I, I not to knock Anthony Mantha and and Tyler Bertuzzi, but I don't think anyone saw Tyler Bertuzzi as being a guy that was going to have to play first line minutes for this Red Wings team. And no. it's been great that he's been a, he's been a good surprise that he can actually fill that role. And I think that he plays such a such a, a great complimentary game to Dylan Larkin as far as being a, a physical presence that can play both ends of the ice. Um, but I, I would say to your point, for the Wings to take that next step, I think they need to get another player that can complement Dylan Larkin on the wing to elevate his game a bit more. I mean, Dylan Larkin has great playmaking ability. Anthony Mantha has, has put up you know, mid-20s and in goals the last couple of years, you'd like to see him take the next step himself and hopefully he can be a 30-goal scorer for the next handful of years that you have him here. Um, but, you know, I, I, can't, I can't sit here and comment like, oh, I don't think that he deserves the captaincy because he's young and he's this and he's that. I mean, th- these guys are around him every day. And Steve Eiserman, as like I said, you know, Steve Eiserman was 20-something years old when he – very very young when he served as the captain for the Red Wings initially and when you have Lidstrom and Zetterberg take over um, in in succession you know they weren't young guys so you you have more established players that you feel more comfortable with but if Steve Eiserman that was his path as a hockey player as far as being handed the captaincy when he was what 20 21 years old and he feels that Dylan Larkin has earned that right then I, I mean, I trust him that 100%. And I think to your point about him not being here, I think that you'll see in the next three to four years with Dylan Larkin here that the Wings are going to go try to make a splash in free agency and get him another piece to elevate his game. And I think that they're going to want to lock Dylan Larkin up long-term, especially being the captain now. And the Red Wings aren't known just to, to throw away captains like that and, and get rid of them. So um, we can obviously – that's something to monitor this entire year for Dylan Larkin as far as his play is concerned, but good for him. Hometown guy. love to see it. Um, and at least the wings now have committed to some sort of direction with him as the captain. Um, yeah. It, it was just getting weird. I, everyone was like, are you going to do it? Like, what are we doing here? And they finally just like, it, it, it was like, it was basically like shit or get off the pot with the captain thing. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. They finally took a shit that in a positive way. <laughs> 
in a positive way. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll kind of get into the, the season preview here. If you guys want to add things, ask questions, by all means, feel free to jump in. A lot of questions um, here. Investigative journalism for me and TV today. Good. I love it. I just want to give, hey, we're, Pete, we get a rap of being a primarily Lions podcast because that's the team that we obviously all love. Um, so I'd like to give hockey fans a little taste here because they've been itching to get back. So um, I'll talk about last year for a second uh, with the record being 17, 49 and five, obviously EU. by far, by far the worst team in the NHL. Um, really one of the worst teams the league has seen in, in decades. So, um, but other- it was COVID. It was- was COVID? They get a pass. Oh, well, I mean, they only got I, it wasn't like eight or nine <laughs> games. Yeah. yeah, they only got cut like eight or nine games. Um, the negative one twenty two goal differential. I was looking at this and this stat. I think the next closest team, as far as the worst goal differential, like might not have even gotten over minus fifty. So just just monumentally bad. I, I'm going to promise you right now that they will not be as bad as they were last year. I don't know how it would even be possible. Um, you look at the off season, they take obviously Lucas Raymond fourth overall. Oh, they had a really solid draft. I know we talked about that. Um, you're probably not going to see any of the guys from this draft um, this year playing for the wings. I mean, the only guy that would really be close is Lucas Raymond who will spend his season over in the Swedish hockey league, which is the tier one league over in Sweden. I don't, I know we also like, I don't know how much people care about the world juniors, but um, by the way, shout out to the U S did we talk about that? No. Well, I won't, I mean, I don't want to, again, it's, this is a Detroit sports podcast, but huge, wait, wait, did you say, did we, or can we, did we? Oh, no, we did not. I thought, okay. Yeah. Go for it. No, I say do or die. Yes. USA hockey do or die. Um, But Whatever. Cool. Cool for the U.S. I was just going to say, too, I mean, you look at some of the, the prospects the Wings had in that tournament. Um, I think they had five on the Swedish team. Um, all, all looked pretty solid. So um, that's positive. But yeah, shout out to the U.S. for the World Junior gold win over Canada to nothing. See you later. Thanks for coming. Um, but back to the Wings. Um, you lose some dead weight this offseason. Trevor Daly gone. I don't want to I don't want to say dead weight when it comes to Jimmy Howard and Justin Advocator, but from a business love, perspective, love Justin Advocator. You stunk. Love, I do I love the guy, but he was terrible the last couple of years. Come on. I do. I love, be love Abby. Love Jimmy. Um, and then Jonathan Erickson as well. So you, you lose some guys that um, we're getting a bit older. The production wasn't there. And, and, you know, we talk about all the time with these rebuilding teams. It's like you got to eventually give the young blood some time to some time to play. So clearing those guys out helps. Um, you bring in guys like Thomas Grice, Troy Stetcher, um, Vladdy Nemestikov. Er, uh, what do we got? Eric Stahl? Not Eric Stahl. We have Mark Stahl. Um, and we'll get to that in a second when it comes to the uh, to the roster. So um, I guess we'll, we'll get into the roster now, um, looking past the things that happened in the offseason. Um, some big storylines here, as I talked about, I think a couple weeks ago, um, it, and you saw people that were confused. It's like, why is Moritz Sider? Why is Joe Valena? Why are they not on the training camp roster? So as I mentioned, I think a couple weeks ago, um, they are playing in Europe on loan. And uh, I, I don't know if they're both in the, in, in the SHL or what the deal is with Valeno, but the, how the rule works for that for first-year players on loans, they are not allowed to come back and join their team that they are being loaned from until their season is over. So there is a possibility that once the season is over for Cider and Valeno that you might see them get a crack, at least being put on the taxi squad. We'll have to see. But I think as far as their development is concerned, 
um, that's the right move for them to finish their season over there. Um, another surprise that came to many people was Evgeny Svechnikov was placed on waivers by the wings. Um, he has since cleared waivers. And when I get more into the roster stuff, I'll kind of get through what guys were put on waivers. Um, to clear up any confusion there, and I, I don't want to, con- I don't want to get into the mess of contracts and 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 the the stipulations as to what makes a guy waiver eligible versus not waiver eligible. The bottom line is, given Evgeny Svechnikov's age and his contract, he was eligible for waivers. So if he was not going to make the NHL roster, he was going to have to be placed on waivers to either be sent to the team's taxi squad or the AHL. Um, we come to find out that obviously he clears waivers. Um, I think only four guys throughout the entire league actually were claimed off of waivers. Cause if you're going to claim a guy off of waivers, they need to be on the NHL squad. So a lot of teams don't have room for guys that get tossed down like that. Um, Sveshnikov did not make the taxi squad, so he will be playing in Grand Rapids in the AHL this year. That could change. They could pull him up to the taxi squad depending on um, injuries and whatnot. But I will say that I, I, I'm glad that he cleared waivers and is going to get a chance to play still in this organization the kid tore his ACL a year and a half ago, a year ago, maybe close to two years, um, and tried to have a bounce back year in Grand Rapids. Had some decent production, but just wasn't quite the same player that he was before the injury. I still think he has a lot of upside. He was a first-round pick for the Red Wings um, in whatever draft year he was. But I, I would hope that he can take this season in Grand Rapids to continue to develop and get his feet back under him because I think he's a heck of a player. Um, it's just unfortunate in, in this league of what have you done for me lately? And you have all these young guys that are starting to develop and, and work their way in the ranks that are a bit younger now. And, you know, this the league is continuing to get faster and more skilled and, and the youth is getting better and better that you can plug and play these guys right away. So I'd hate to see him get passed up. I'd hope that he gets some time uh, maybe gets a shot with the taxi squad as the year goes on. So we'll see um, what else we got. Uh, two other things too, as far as the roster is concerned, Christian Jews comes over by the way, from Anaheim. Um, he's a defenseman seventh round pick in 2012 by Washington. Um, Anaheim waived him earlier than the, than the waiver period actually happened. I can't exactly remember when that was going on, um, but he was waived by Anaheim. The wings scooped him up. He'll make one to like $1.2 million for this year. Only 26 years old, left-handed shot defenseman, 32 points in 42 games with Hershey of the AHL last year, which is, I mean, pretty respectable for a defenseman, uh, real smooth skater. He's a, he, he moves the puck really well. I um, mean, from what I remember watching him primarily on Washington, um, he's not shy to jump in the play despite not having the greatest offensive makeup. Um, defensively, I, he's probably, you know, he's a, he's a very average defender, but he'll be in the mix on the blue line. He was registered as a non-roster player. Darren Helm, also a non-roster player. Uh, I believe the case with both of them is just COVID protocol. I know Jews comes over. Um, I don't even know if he got a chance to skate in training camp because I think that he has to quarantine and, and go through the protocols before he gets a chance to join the team. Um, so I have to imagine they'll be adding him to the roster when he's clear. Same thing with Darren Helm. I don't know if he tested positive for COVID or what his deal was, but I think after the second day of training camp, he was gone. Um, so something to keep an eye on too, because, you know, that's a guy that's going to have to, that will be playing minutes for the Red Wings this year. Um, so other than that, I guess we can get into the roster itself. Um, 
Not a ton of surprises here. Shocking, um, by the way, Darren Helm is still on the roster. Shocking. I didn't. Well, this is. Couldn't have told you. This this is this is his last year of his contract. I can't imagine that he'll be back next year. Um, but again, once he clears protocol or whatever he's going through, he'll be uh, he'll be back. So. Um, as far as players that were assigned to the AHL, um, I'll read off real quickly because the training camp roster was very slim. Svechnikov cleared waivers. Riley Barber, who I actually thought Riley Barber might have had a chance to make the practice squad or the taxi squad, rather. Um, excuse me. Didn't happen. What do I know? Uh, Kyle Crisculo, Turner Elson, Taro Hirose. Uh, Michigan State alum. Thank you very much. Uh, Chase Pearson, Dominic Turgeon, and then on defense, Joe Hicketts, Brian Lashoff, Dylan McGillrath, and goaltender Caden Fulcher. Um, all cleared waivers. They will be playing in the AHL. Um, as I said, too, Helm and Jews are both non-roster players. Jared McIsaac had surgery um, a couple months ago. I'm trying to think of how long ago that happened, but um, he's recovering from surgery, so he's also a non-roster player. That's a guy, too. You want to talk about young defensemen in the system um, that I think Eiserman really likes. Jared McIsaac is a guy to keep your eyes on. Um, as I said, he's coming back from an injury, so he's a non-roster player as well. Um, what was I going to say there, too? I was trying to think of, oh, the taxi squad. Um, so here's here's where we start to get into the actual rosters. I've now been rambling and talking in circles about getting to the roster for the last 15 minutes. Um, your taxi squad this year, Michael Rasmussen, Dennis Chalowski. You also have Giovanni Smith, uh, forward. I think he's a left or, left or right winger. And then on defense, you'll have Gustav Lindstrom. Um, and then Kevin Boyle and Calvin Picard are two goaltenders that will be on the, on the taxi squad. My thoughts from this, number one, is God, I hope they give Dennis Chalowski a shot this year. I don't ever root for guys that get injured, obviously, but I wouldn't hate Alex Biega like taking a puck to the chin and like missing a couple games and Chalowski has to come in and get some time. Cause that's, I mean, again, we're talking about a rebuild and now you bring in Christian Jews. So now your, your, your defensive, your defensive core has expanded exponentially as the season or as the off season went on, you bring in Mark Stahl, you bring in John Merrill, you bring in Troy Stetcher. And, you know, you still got guys like Danny, the Kaiser, who's coming back from injury this year. He's also like, I don't know what the deal is with the Kaiser, because if you look at the Red Wings cap friendly, he's on long-term IR. And if you look at their roster on their website, he's marked as being an injured reserve. So I don't know what the deal is. I thought he was skating in camp. So hopefully he's fine to start the season. Cause that's a guy you're paying $5 million a year for the next two years, I believe. And you'd like to see him, you know, get back to the production. Not that he has ever been a, a huge production guy, but he's at least a steady defenseman that you can have in your top six. So I'd like to see Dennis Chalowski get time. Gustav Lindstrom as well. I thought in a very small sample size last year showed some promise. Um, the biggest thing for me, Michael Rasmussen making the taxi squad Good for him because this is a guy that people are very, very close on giving up on because he was, I think he took him ninth overall. You've been hearing his name for years. He was hurt and banged up a bit last year, had some decent production with the Griffins as a, as a, as a big, like six foot six centerman. I think he's six, six. Um, so glad to see that he's going to get a shot with the club um, in whatever capacity based on injuries and whatnot this year, Giovanni Smith, I thought was a no brainer this year as a guy that has you know, it's a, a smaller sample size as far as NHL experience goes, but I think he plays a pretty, a, a pretty solid defensive game. Um, and it is a real tough cookie to throw in your bottom six, if you need them um, in the event of injury or whatnot. So um, that's your taxi squad for the season. Of course that can change. And, and looking back at the guys that were sent to the AHL, 
there's no one that surprises me that like didn't make the roster. I mean, Taro Hirose had a really nice stretch of 10 games or whatever it was a year or two ago. Um, I just don't know if his skill sets there to, to, to compete at the NHL level on a, on a roster um, like the Red Wings have this year where they brought some guys in for a year or two just to see how they fit. Um, so his future's up in the air. Um, other than that, now we look at the roster. Um, obviously, I, I don't really want to sit here and name every single guy for you. You can go and look it up. Um, from the back end out, Thomas Grice and Jonathan Bernier will have the net this year. I have to imagine yuck. that Thomas Grice is yuck in a good way or a bad way? Bad way. Well, Trent, can I, I see you have your hand raised. Yes. Yes. Well, this is like, I'm going to be honest. It's like the only thing that I've like sort of kept my eye on. I'll be honest, because yes. we've been talking on this podcast for two years about what the future is in the net here. And we got a 32 and a 34 year old. Now I know hockey's different. I know hockey's yes. very different. You know, age is a little bit different in hockey. You know, 40 year olds can still play, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, Rabs, you've talked about how they, you almost wanted them to draft one, you know, not super high, but so I, I, my question, and I'm sure we're going to get to it, is like, what's the future at goalie? Um, that's a great Are question. We not see I, that? I wish I had an answer. What, what, There's no. Like, what should I be watching for at goalie Zero this answer. year? Is there? Okay, it's not going to be either of these two guys, right? Because I'll tell you what, the few, the, the handful of Wings games I watched last year, wasn't impressed with Bernier, and then we got this Grice. Grice is that yep. how you pronounce his name? Thomas and Grice, he, baby. And he's two years older. Now he's a vet, correct? Yeah, uh, Thomas Grice has been around the league for a while. To, to your point about Bernier, I've never been a big Jonathan Bernier guy. I mean, I, I, he's, well, he's been given small, the oh, – Isn't he kind of small? That's what I've read, like for a goalie. Uh, I mean, he ain't, he ain't no Ben Bishop. He, well, here's – okay, here's the thing about Jonathan Bernier. He's had the opportunity to be a starter on a couple different teams. I think that, that given his skill set and just the way, the way it shakes out with him production-wise, he's a backup. To have Jonathan yes. Bernier as a backup goalie in, in this league, I would have to say he's a top half in the league as far as backup goalies are concerned. The problem is when you put him on a wings team that doesn't score goals and can't play defense, it's hard to that's and it all comes down to the goalies. And that's why Jimmy Howard was almost run out of town by some people because of how I mean, and granted, his production declined severely. But well, I was gonna so that, that's why I want to ask you, like, would you rather have just hypothetically, I know it can't happen now, would you rather have Bernier or Howard back? I mean, I would I I love Jimmy I know there's Howard. I know there's a there's a nostalgic factor with Howard, but Who I'm just Howard, Rabs. He, he's not a, he has not been signed to a team. Really? I don't know what I don't know what his plans are or what the deal is. I can't see him as being a guy that wants to go play overseas after being in Detroit for this long. Um, but I don't, I, at least to Maybe my knowledge, he's not found a home. Well, who knows? But I, yeah. I mean, I, Trent, would I rather have Bernier or Howard? I, I think it, a lot of it came down to like a money thing and, and Jimmy's not young either. So I know you bring in Thomas Grice, who's also 34, 35. Um, but it, it, to, to answer your question, as far as the goaltending future, I mean, it, it seems like Caden Fulcher might be where the wings have their eyes on right now. Um, Philip Larson, who was a stud at the university of Denver, he's also playing on loan right now overseas. Um, and that's the thing with goalies too. Unless you, unless you have a guy that's legitimately NHL ready, like a Carter Hart for Philly, who's got to be what 22, 23 years old. 
it, it's not one of those things where you, you just put a goalie in there and like, oh, let him get his feet wet and you hang him out to dry because that stuff can get ugly and it can ruin the confidence of your goaltenders and your team. So you bring in a guy like Thomas Grice, who I would have to imagine if you're going to – I just think the way the Wings have operated the last few years with kind of a goalie by committee type deal with, with Howard and Bernier, I would think that you'd probably look at Thomas Grice as being more so your starter um, just based on his track record and his numbers. And I think um, – He's just the better goalie. I, I think that they'll probably get even enough time this year between him and Bernier. Um, but to, to have those guys in the net this year, I think that your goaltending tandem, no disrespect to Jimmy Howard, I think Thomas Grice, at least based on recency bias, is, is will give you better production in that. But as far as the future goes, um, Jan Bednar, too, the guy they just took from the Czech Republic in this year's draft, I don't think he got to play in the world juniors because he was the backup for the Czech Republic team. Um, but many people were saying he was one of the bigger goalie steals of the draft where they took him in like the third or fourth round. So um, we'll see on him, but for now, this is where you're at. I don't have an answer for you as far as the future. Um, but again, with that being said, it's not like they're going to go compete for a Stanley cup right now. Um, so that's a problem they can address later. Um, so those are your two guys in net this year. Um, as far as the rest of the team goes, defensively is where my eyes are on because, again, you have Kronick, DeKaiser, Mark Stahl, Nemeth, Merrill, Stetcher, and Biega, and now you bring in Christian Jews, and there's eight guys, and you only get to – I mean, they'll only play six, obviously. So having two guys healthy scratched each night, and then you have Chalowski and Lindstrom just rotting on the taxi squad – I don't know what the plan is. And, and that's something too, that as the trade deadline comes about, uh, this is the last year of Nemeth's deal, I believe. Uh, Mark Stahl is obviously only here for one year. John Merrill's here for one year. I'd like to think they hang on to Troy Stetcher for another year and just see if you can give a young guy a shot to, to make a name for himself with, with maybe an expanded role than he had in Vancouver last year. But I have to imagine someone's getting moved. Alex Biega, I give a lot of crap just because, I mean, he's on the wrong side of 30, I believe, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And I just don't think that that's a guy that you have any real stake of, of being a part of the team, like in the future. So I don't need to see him out there taking up minutes from a guy like Dennis Chalowski. But um, I think the defensive core is shaping up to be better than last year. Um, so you'll have to keep an eye on that as far as how they shuffle that. And then up front, um, no real surprises up front. The, the, the thing is that is going to be tough is you look at this roster as far as the forwards are concerned. And I want to say like seven out of your 13 forwards are like centermen. Like they can, they, they at least have a history of playing, um, center in the national hockey league. So I don't know what the plan is. I just have to imagine that if Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi is your first line, so be it. It looks like they're going to have Robbie Fabry playing center full-time this year on the second line, at least in training camp. He was playing center. It looked like every scrimmage they were playing, he was he was playing center on the second line. So if that's the plan for him, great. But you also have Philpula, who's a center. You have Gagne, who's a center. You have Glenn Denning, who's a center. You have Franz Nielsen, who's a center. Nemestikov's a center. So I don't know what the plan is for that. It seems like their top six 
is somewhat set. It's going to be Larkin, Manta, Bertuzzi. I have to imagine it's Fabry. I have to imagine that Phillips Adina is going to be getting second line minutes. If that's a guy, if there's one guy to key in on taking a step this year, because people are also getting very frustrated with Phillips Adina's production, that's the guy to watch. I have to imagine he'll be playing second line minutes this year for the Red Wings. And then for that third guy to fill out your top six, is it Nemesnikov playing the left side with that second line? Is it Bobby Ryan? I have no idea. So that's something to watch as well. Where, where it's going to get tricky is guys like Franz Nielsen, uh, Darren Helm, Luke Glendening. Those are bottom six guys for sure. And if it were up to me, I would have Michael Rasmussen playing the fourth line center role every single night. And you let Franz Nielsen watch from the press box. I get the guys making damn near $6 million a year. So that's probably not the right way to go about it. Um, Adam Ernie too, another guy that's playing on a, on a one-year deal to see how he shakes out. Um, he'll probably be playing bottom six minutes. Um, so the other thing too, that I want to mention before I move on from the roster and get into more of just how the season looks, um, you might see a new name on here. And I talked about there not really being any surprises. I would say no surprises except this guy, Matthias Brome, who if people remember was signed by the Red Wings months ago. Um, one of the most highly touted free agents um, to come from the Swedish hockey league. Uh, and, and every now and then you'll see guys that kind of come out of there and, and that are looking to make the jump to come from Europe, to come play in the NHL. Um, the wings haven't had tremendous success with guys that have come overseas to play. Um, a la Damian Bruner, a la Billy Leno to name hey, two Bruno guys. Was good. Bruner was good. I don't know about that. He was, he was, he had a good, he had a decent playoff stretch. I remember. Um, it wasn't but, terrible. I mean, he had a cup of coffee here, and then I think he went maybe to the Devils for a little bit, and then he was out of the league. So, yeah. um, I thought so he was not, okay. He's, I mean, he I, he could very well be over there now. He's not in the NHL, at least he hasn't been for years. Um, so, point being is, you know, don't hold your breath on this guy. But, Colin, Jesse, you have a question? I I know you kind of moved on from this, but looking at, like, those guys like Stetcher and those, like, kind of guys that the wins have kind of done with the Pistons have kind of done in the recent years, like taking flyers on guys. Yep. Like, Hey, which one do you actually think you're like, okay. Like Fabry last year, the wins took a flyer on and it seemed to be a success. What do you see any of the guys that they got this off season being like that? Um, I would just say Stetcher and reason being is because uh, he's the youngest out of the group of the guys. Well, I mean, just look at it. Like, Mark Stahl, not a guy that's going to be here beyond this year. Patrick Nemeth, I don't know if he's part of the plans. I think that's a guy that you can trade at the deadline and actually get some good assets for if if he's – I mean, he, not that he's a huge production guy, but he has a great defensive skill set that a team can use, especially for depth – I mean, he's, a, he's an easy top six guy, Patrick Nemeth, borderline top four on some team that have a weaker defensive core. So – he won't be around. John Merrill, I mean, I don't think John Merrill's 30 yet. He might be 28, 29. Not, a, not necessarily a game breaker by any stretch of the imagination. Did Merrill so I think is I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. yes. that sounds right. So so it, it, it might be a, just a cop-out answer as far as Stetcher being the youngest guy of this group. But I think he has a tremendous skill set. And and I think that his offensive upside is, is, is part of the reason why he was brought in here to Detroit. And just the guy that can probably benefit from having hopefully top four minutes, depending on who he's playing with um, and what units he's playing with. Um, so I would say Stetcher's that guy. But again, Collins, as I said, you know, in, in a perfect world, if you have a room with Hronik, you have um, Gustav Lindstrom, you have uh, Dennis Chalowski, Jared McIsaac, as I mentioned, is a guy that's coming back from surgery that you hope 
hopefully he can make the jump in the next couple of years. Then you have Cider as your fifth. Like, so it, it, it's coming along. So as far as guys that might stick around, I would say Stetcher is that guy. Um, Christian Jews is going to get a chance this year, as I said. Um, but it, it's the, the – we're going to get these minutes is just beyond me. So that's that's probably where I'm keying my eye um, in on. But um, back to Matias Brome is before I wrap up the roster stuff here. Um, he's going to be making less than a million dollars this year. Um, Vancouver was also the other team that I would think was really interested in him, but I just feel like he probably saw Detroit as the best opportunity as far as being able to get minutes. Um, I can see him being a middle six guy. People didn't really know a whole lot about him as far as, um, where he would fit in, in, as far as the Red Wings plans go coming into this season. Um, I remember reading some stuff too, that just expected him to be an AHL guy. Um, but he made the roster. So that'll be a middle six guy that I can, I can see getting third and second line minutes last year in the SHL. He had 43 points in 52 games. He's already been playing hockey this year over in the SHL. So I think that's probably where he had to jump on a lot of guys that he's been playing in games, 20 points in 23 games this year, four, four goals, 16 assists. So um, this guy can buzz like his, his highlights are pretty fun to watch. He plays with an edge, a lot of energy. Uh, uh, it's just a sandpaper guy that has tremendous speed, um, great hands as well. Not a guy that's put the puck in the net historically well. Um, but I don't know, you pair him with a guy like Bobby Ryan and, and, and maybe have them oppose each other on the wing. on like the third line. Um, I bet could be fun to watch. So that's a guy to keep an eye on as well. Um, other than that, that's what the roster looks like. Um, I, I just think the biggest thing in, in any in any rebuilding team is you want to see some of your younger guys get time. And the problem with this being a COVID year and just the way that the Red Wings roster is shaking out is you're not going to see Lucas Raymond. You, you, you might not see as much of Michael Rasputin as you wanted to see. You won't see Valeno. You won't see Cider. It just is what it is. But those guys are playing hockey. And that's what's important is they're getting reps in elsewhere, and that's all you want to see. So um, I, I, to, to go to the season now before I wrap up this season preview that feels like it's been going on for three hours, I apologize, but I just love it. Um, they're, they're, I guess for as far as the, the, the betting goes and Vegas has them, and the way they do it for hockey is based on points, not necessarily wins or losses. Um, so their total is set at 42 and a half points for a 56 game season. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. I, 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 I just think that this team is, is being put in this spot because of how bad they were last season. Um, and, and, you know, Larkin and many of the guys have said themselves that they have no interest in being that team again this year. And I don't think they will be, they're not going to make the playoffs, but 42 and a half points. I mean, if you look at it, if, if they win half of their games, which gives you 28 wins, then you make 50, then there's 56 points at 56 games for you. So uh, I think that they might, I don't know if they'll win half of their games with there being 28. Um, I think if this team can win 25 games this year, I'm going to be more than happy. Um, and I think their ceiling is even a bit higher than that. Um, so I'm taking over 42 and a half points. I think that's kind of disrespectful. Um, I, I do think that they've improved and you, you, you're going to have to see a guy like Phillips, Adina take another step, Anthony Manta, as I said, not that it's going to happen this year with 56 games, but I'd like to see him become a 30 goal scorer. And you, you essentially have a team of guys, as Colin said, it's like what the Pistons try to do. You take flyers on guys that maybe weren't getting opportunities 
other places, guys that are still young that have some potential, and you're bringing a couple of veterans like you know, a guy like Mark Stahl, Thomas Grice to fill in those gaps and and provide some leadership so it's not a complete dumpster fire this year. Um, I'm just excited to see how good this central division is this year. I mean, at first glance for me, and people might think that I'm absolutely crazy. I was shooting my mouth off saying that, yeah, the central division is going to be the best division in hockey this year. Might not be true. Like the East, the East is going to probably shape up to be pretty solid. I cannot wait to watch the North division with the Canadian teams. I mean, there in itself, you have a lot of story. I mean, you're going to get eight games of the battle of Alberta, um, you know, Canadians leaves like the Sens are going to be fun to watch this year with Tim Stutzla, who to this day, I stay up at night cursing Gary Bettman that the wings did not get a higher traffic to take Tim Stutzla because he's probably going to be a hall of famer from how it looks right now, looking at him in the world juniors. He's absolutely unbelievable. Um, also Trevor Zegers too, who the wings could have had, they took more cider instead of that, instead of him. Um, he was great in the world juniors, best player in the world juniors. He's playing for Anaheim, but I digress. Um, the central division, can be very, very tough. Blackhawks this year, I don't know if Brent Seabrook has reported to camp. I don't know what his deal is. Um, Jonathan Taze, it looks like, will not be playing this season for some health issues, which sucks because I do like Johnny Taze. Um, but the Blackhawks are maybe maybe a step ahead of the Red Wings as far as their rebuild goes. The Blue Jackets have been competitive for the last, I don't know, two to three, two to four years. Um Preds took a step back last year, but other than that, you have the Lightning and the Stars who are both competing for the Stanley Cup this year. The Hurricanes are looking to take that next step and, and, and be a real competitor. Um, I'm not really sold on the Panthers as far as them getting a whole lot better in this offseason, so we'll have to see. They're still looking to find their identity. So with that being said, and I hate to be the guy that sits in the middle – this could prove to be a really, really, really tough division for the Red Wings this year, or they might be able to sneak some games on teams like the Blackhawks, like the Preds, like the Panthers. The Stars, too, have like 17 guys out with COVID, so they're not starting their season anytime soon. So we'll see how that shapes up. But to end here in my season preview, um, again, my wish list this year, let's see Chalowski, let's see Rasmussen. Maybe when Cider and Valeno are done in Europe, they'll come over. Um, and, and your goal here is, is, is simple, you know, continue to collect assets. And I have all the faith in Steve Eiserman that the guys he doesn't see as being a fit here will be moved at the deadline. And, and the bottom line here for me is when you look at the Red Wings cap friendly, that's my, one of my favorite websites to go on. You look at all these guys lighten up red that come off the books next year. I mean, I don't think Bobby Ryan will be back if you trade him or not. Um, Sam Gagne will be gone. Valtteri Filippo will be gone. Uh, Franz Nielsen, you have two more years of, but Darren Helm comes off the book. So, um, and, and defensively too, I think the only returning defenseman that you have right now on contract for next season is Troy Stetcher. So obviously there'll be, you know, guys like Philip Ronick will have to get his deal. Um, but other than that, I mean, Hey, Red Wings hockey's back. You got to love it. There's your season preview. If you haven't turned it off by now, oh, I boy. appreciate it. I appreciate it for sticking with me. I've, now that I've probably lost I my voice and about to pass out. Yes, Trent. I have the over for points. Good. I have the Wings winning 28 games blindly. Nice. And, and I am going, I'm going to watch this team this year, you guys. I'm going to do it because I feel – I had an epiphany this morning when I was getting ready <laughs> for the podcast, and I just thought to myself, you know – what a shitty podcast contributor if I only watch three out of the four teams we talk about. 
So I <laughs> am going to be better. It's my New Year's resolution to watch the Red Wings. How's that? I, I should probably start watching the Pistons more than if you're going to do that for me. Well, but you can at least contribute with Pistons stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about the Wings. <laughs> I'm excited to at least, you know, it'll be at least a fun experimental season. I mean, at the very least, I know Collins has said before, like, there's not really much to watch here. And I get that because you're not seeing Cider. You're not seeing Valeno. You're not going to see Rasmussen all that much. You're not going to see Raymond. You're not going to see these guys that you've been hearing about of, like, where are the like, why don't the wings have any of their prospects up here playing and buzzing around? I get that. And it's frustrating. But um, to me, like as a hockey guy, that's been watching NHL hockey since like for as long as I can remember, like seeing Bobby Ryan in a Red Wings jersey is going to be cool. And in all this, this is it though? Is it, it's not like, yes, yes, because it's, because not, like it's not like 12 Bobby Ryan, dude. I know. I know. But, but the point being is it's not like Bobby Ryan has like lost his, like lost his hockey touch. He got, he went through some stuff with, with some alcohol problems. He went to rehab. It was his whole thing. He's it, it, if you, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Bobby Ryan, as far as him playing for like honey baked growing up, or I think he played for Honey Baked, um, but him having to change his name and all this different stuff about his dad, go find the video on YouTube because it is fascinating. But this guy's been through a lot. He went through a lot of, you know, some alcohol abuse problems. Um, I think he's looking at this year as being a resurgence year to prove that he can still play, which he can. So I am excited to watch a guy like him. Mark Stahl is the, a fun name to have playing for the Wings. I know he's an older guy. He doesn't have much um, – much to his game anymore like he used to especially after his eye injury but hey man it's the wings i'll always love the wings i'm a hockey guy it's like i can't help myself so they should be fun to watch this year um and don't help they're not as bad as they were last year <laughs> lgrw let's go yeah, lgrw all right let's break it up now um two a couple quick things to do before i get into lion stuff because um, I know we promised a Detroit Lions report card today as we sit down and dissect team. Um, we did talk about Pistons briefly. They're two and eight right now. They're playing the Bucks as we speak. I know it was mentioned earlier, but Killian Hayes is out multiple weeks with an injury. They will travel on Saturday to Miami. I think the game on Friday against the Wizards got postponed. Yes. They will play Miami on Saturday after this game. Um, yes, Trent. I have a little bit of Pistons news, Pistons-related news. Dennis Rodman's nice. daughter just got drafted second overall in the women's soccer draft. She's a stud. All right. So go, <laughs> Pistons-related news. Hats off. Cheers to Trinity Rodman. She's going to be a stud. There you go. There you go. Get, you got to get a jersey. Yeah, I might. You get a jersey. I might. It'd be so funny. Well, the, the Women's World Cup, and she's, like, leading Team USA. I might in 10 years. Um, my other stuff. Soft. I don't want to talk. I'm very, come upset. on. We don't, all right, we're moving on. I'm moving on. I have yeah, some tiger stuff here too, it. that we can kick around. Um, Let's go. and some recent tigers news, uh, tiger signed Michael Falmer to a one-year deal for $3.1 million to avoid arbitration. Worth um, it. last chance for Fulmer, by the way. I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I, I just, I, I love the guy, but I just, I'll be in Detroit. I won't say in his career. Yeah, the of tigers, course. Of listen, course. Listen, the tigers dropped the ball though, by not trading him two seasons ago. It, I, 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 I didn't I, want to I, trade him. I, I, Hindsight's 2020. Hindsight's 2020. He had the injury. It sucks. It's a it's a it's a no, bad hand of cards. Trade him when he's injured because then you still have some stock. If you bring him back, then he looks terrible, and then you don't have any you don't have any value. Well, I I was on the camp of I never wanted him to be traded because it was like a churn and burn thing to me. 
I didn't want him to be traded. Hindsight's 2020. Yes, I hear you on the point of if he comes back and he's not the same, then his value all goes away. But I mean, now like there should be no reason for you not to invest in this guy. Like here's, here's his one year deal for $3.1 million. Show me something. He's getting paid nothing. So show right. me something for one year and like, and let's go. I know uh, Hinch was talking about potentially going with a six man rotation, which leads me to my next point that apparently the Tigers were attending Corey Kluber's showcase, whatever that means. So I don't know if there'll be bidders on him, which if they go get him, then it's like, wow, well, now we have Corey Kluber and hopefully, Jose Urania sitting in the rotation, eating up innings for guys like Michael Fulmer, who should not be on any restrictions this year, by the way. I don't need to see Fulmer coming in for two innings and getting shut down after 40 pitches. I'd also like to see Daniel Norris get the ball as a starter again this year. Thank you very much. Um, why, also, why, I mean, we already talked about the Norris, and I think he should stay in a reliever role because he's just been so good there. I feel like he feels comfortable there finally while he does in yeah, the starting rotation. He, he, he's been, he was really good Rabs, And he, I, I was, I thought it was like, Hey, it's kind of time for them to just kind of move on. Maybe he sits around a couple of years longer. I mean, first of all, Fulmer didn't look good last year. If you watch any tighter teams, the stuff didn't look great. It wasn't like it, like command issues, something like that. He just didn't look good, like plain and simple. So I, I, I and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he's coming off of Tommy John and he's probably reworking a lot of his mechanics but he didn't look good last year. So I don't want people to be like, Oh, it, it, like he was on a line. He didn't look good when he was in there. He didn't have any movement on that fastball and his slider was horrible. Well, look, it's similar to how you guys think Marvin Jones pays me to talk good about him on this podcast. I, I, I'm pretty sure Daniel Norris pays Rab's money. Yes. <laughs> I love him. Rab, Rab's I love him. everything about him. <laughs> okay, yeah. I love everything about him. All right. All right. All right. Um, other news too, for the Tigers, they signed outfielder Robbie Grossman to a two-year deal. I want to say it's for 10 mil. I'm not positive. Um, eight seasons in the league. He's 30 years old, 252 career average. So nothing to really, I don't know, nothing that really sparks my interest. Just again, taking away, taking away innings from guys in the outfield, like Victor Reyes and Daz Cameron and Christian Stewart, who I'm sure everyone's sick of by now. And Jacoby Jones. Are you, so. do you still actually have Christian Stewart stock? Uh, for one more year. That's it. Oh, then I'm, okay, then I'm dude. I, no. no, 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 we're not even. Then I'm off. That's demerit, a, too? How about Demerit? Travis Demerit might weigh less than my younger brother, by the way. I would rather, dude, I have D- Demerit soft. I, if you have Stewart soft, then you're clinically insane, I think. <laughs> That's fine. I don't, hey, I, I hear you. I'm not, okay, sorry. I'm not the biggest Christian Stewart guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last thing is, I feel like we get to hear every single year. Maggie looks like he's in shape, best shape of his life. Maggie, every single year, playing first. Every base. year, I gotta, I gotta, yeah. He, and that's, yep, he's gonna want to play first base, which is like, which is, is fine. First base, Hinch said he is. Well, which is fine, and the reason why that's fine is because that means Jamer's got to go play third Thank as he God. should be, yeah. as he should be. So there you go. There's your, there's your Tigers talk. For the next couple of months, to hold you over unless anything crazy I, happens. Can I say one more thing about the Tigers? Of course, of course. Yes. You can. What is Avila doing? Like, can we like I, I like? I get that baseball is in a weird spot where I think they're heading like when their next CBA comes up. Like we already saw like a mess last year during like the COVID stuff. I think they're heading towards an, a, a lockout or something because none of these contracts are getting done. Like the free agency is the most boring thing in MLB baseball. It used like. Baseball used to kind of be a year-round sport, kind of like the NBA, and 
the and in uh the NFL, excuse me, it's not anymore. It's really weird. And I, I guess it might just be the fabric of the time, but like, can you do something, Avila, like where you made some sort of move or it's like, oh, Go get Nolan. The, 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 I, it doesn't even have to be a big guy. Just make some sort of like, oh, this is like we're trying to somewhat win because they're in the spot where you, you can't justify them trying to be terrible again. You know what I mean? Like you have pieces there. You know what I mean? Raps like this is a team that you're going to be you're going to try and build like a winning culture. Like you're not tanking at this point. So go out and get like some sort of stable veteran who can play. I don't know. No, I, I hear you. There's 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 no more room like like you said. There's no more room for like oh we gotta we gotta shift and shuffle and who are the young guys that are playing like you, you have Jamer at third like that's that's your guy you're playing Miggy at first because you have to that's fine and I, and I just I think at this point you need to start making decisions as far as your outfield goes like if you don't like Christian Stewart fine see ya then let Victor Reyes play every single day fine if Jacoby Jones is not your center fielder of the future then let Daz Cameron get a shot like I don't care but I hear you and then I think they have enough young guys like their their pieces are there to just now plug and let's see what works I don't think there's any more reason to like let's go be terrible and 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 try to continue to build through the draft like they're like their their pipeline is is ranked as like one of the best in Major League Baseball. They're, they're, the farm system's there. It's a matter of getting guys to execute and elevate their game to the next level. So that's all I got. I'm exhausted on Tiger stuff already, and we've only talked about it for five minutes. So um, last thing to do for the day before we do Trent's trifecta to the end, it is time for the Lions talk. Um, to, to those of you who, who skipped completely through the first 45 minutes of the show to get here, welcome. Nice to have you back. Um, if you made it this far, congratulations. I feel like I've been talking for the entire time. It's a mess. But here we are. Um, first thing first, before we do the report card, um, all these headlines and notifications on my phone of the Lions are going after this guy. Oh, this guy's the front runner. Oh, this guy didn't. So here's where we're sitting right now. And I want to kind of let's get on the same page here as a group here in the Motown Rundown. From what I've been reading today, Number one, Kevin Colbert from Pittsburgh, apparently as of this morning, the the Lions had put out this offer to him of poaching him from the Steelers. I don't know why you would leave the Steelers to come over here to be the GM for the Lions, um, but that was out there today. And then what it sounds like from everything that I've read over the last couple hours, Brad Holmes is supposedly the front runner for the GM job. He is the director of college scouting for the Rams, 41 years old. He's gotten a lot of high praise from what I've read as far as his work ethic, relationship building, um, and just his eye for talent, which I guess you have to be if you're the director of college scouting. And apparently he's also a finalist for the Atlanta job. I want to say that they, they just completed their second interview with him or they've requested a second interview with him. Um, they also interviewed Ed Dodds, who was my guy, which I would love for them to get to, but um, Did you guys see the graphic that they're making for all their like GM interviews? Yeah. How funny was that? Were you guys laughing at that? Pretty funny. Well, where it's just the name, like just like we've we have interviewed this guy, and this Dobbs. guy, and this guy. It's like yeah. It's it, it's like an old school Microsoft like Word document. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, it's like it's like screen and like in small white font. They say. Sorry, I know you guys lost me there for a second. Rams, I want to ask you. Yep. Repeat, repeat the Steelers' name, the Steelers' guy's name again. Kevin Colbert. Kevin Colbert. Yeah. If you want him 
you are, must be ecstatic right now because I'll tell you what, he, he might have reason to leave the, the AFC North because here's why. Every other team in that division is on the upswing. The Steelers are not, especially if you watch that playoff game against the Browns last Sunday. They're definitely on a downtick. They got a 38-year-old quarterback while you're dealing with Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow in the rest of that division, whereas the NFC North is relatively, relatively wide open in terms of the future, okay? Because Aaron Rodgers is now starting to get a little older. You saw the Packers draft his replacement. And I don't want to speculate too much, but I'm just saying the Lions could put together a decent pitch to get him out of Pittsburgh before it's a rebuild shit show over there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I hear you. It's just what, what's just funny to me is like, and, and it's such chaos right now with this, with this GM hunt, because it feels like they've interviewed a hundred guys, but they've interviewed no one at the same time. And it, it's hard to keep track of the GMs too. And it's like, you know, you read the report, like, oh, they made a pitch for the Seattle guy. And the Seattle guy re-signed with Seattle today or yesterday. And they want to go get Kevin Colbert from Pittsburgh. And then it's like, well, he's not the front runner. Now it's Brad Holmes. So I don't know what's going on. The other thing that I read, too, as far as the head coaching stuff is concerned, I heard that I, – I, I say I heard, like I got some inside source. From what I've seen on the Twitter sphere, which I've seen both sides of it, but apparently Robert Sala did not have a good interview with the Lions. That's not true. And I don't know. I need. I need. That's to not debunk, true. I need to debunk, debunk this it. because no, this has been pissing me off because I've seen it. So the thing, <laughs> like, who the, knows that? Who knows? No one. This no stuff? one. Here's what happened. A Houston. Hey, my hey, my source. My the the classic ninety-seven one. The limo driver. Yeah, is, uh, the airport. Yeah, yeah it's telling me Sala is. He's in the mix. Uh, I, sorry, I tried you off there. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. That was warranted. I, w- I just want to say this. This is what no – I hate the world we live in right now in the aspect that word spreads like that and no, there's yeah. no merit to anything. Because here's what happened. A Houston Texans beat reporter tweeted that, okay, because he works for the Houston Texans and he wants Sala to be the coach of the Texans. Our guy – the Lions, Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press, he reported that the interview went just fine and that Robert Sala is still very well in the mix for the Detroit job. So I'll let's be, just let's put that out there. Well, I'll be on like with Lions news, I think Burkett's like the only guy I really like. I feel like he's the most tuned in guy in the Lions. Rogers is pretty good and Mikey. Mikey's more like he's pretty good at like personal interviews with the players, but when it comes from like What's going on with the Fords? I like I don't listen to anyone else except Burkett. Burkett knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He said the interview went just fine. This Houston guy over here, I don't even know his name, and I don't care to know his name, was the one who said that Robert Sala interviewed poorly with Detroit. So whatever. But we, we will keep an eye on this as we go forward, but it looks like the Lions aren't going to make any decisions in the near future. It's going to take a while. Yeah, so that is what it is. I, there's not. I mean, it's it's all just speculation. So that's just the latest news that we've heard. I know that Arthur Smith, the OC for the Titans, has a second interview coming up for the Lions. Um, so so we'll see. I mean, it, are you? Can I ask you guys an, an honest question before we do the report card? Do you guys have any faith that they'll get this right? Any uh, faith? On the GM side of things, I just I have no clue. No, I have no faith. I have zero faith. How about that? I'll answer you that. How can you have faith with the Lions? <laughs> yeah. I really can't. And guess what? I'll buy in. I'll buy in immediately. Like, this guy has one good press conference, and does it sound like an idiot? Or, like, does it sound like a condescending fuck like Patricia? Then, yeah, I'll probably <laughs> buy in. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, in my heart of hearts, I'm like, this isn't going to work. But I'll buy in. But, like, I won't, like, it, 
it, it's crazy to have confidence in the Lions. It's crazy. Trent, what about no, you? I, I, I listen. I yes, I do. Of course, I do. You want if you want me to explain why? It's literally yes. just that. I am a slappy fan of the franchise. I have no – Collins, to your exact point, I have no concrete reason to believe they'll get this right. But, yes, I have faith. Sure, to answer your question in a yes or no fashion, yeah, I have faith. Robert Saul is the guy. Ed Dodds is your other guy. Get it right. Get those two. And if, well, they, if they don't work out, if they don't work out, I'll sit here with my, my shirt off and my pants off in front of the entire okay. If, if they're worth God, dude, I hate, I hate, I hate doing this on Zoom. I'm so over it. But I, this is just so annoying. This doesn't happen to anyone else. I just cut out 20 it times used to an episode. To me. My thing is this: these guys can't be worse than Patricia Quinn. Okay, they can't. I'm confident saying that. Is that fair? They could, they could be. See here, my they, they, my thought process is this, and I I agree with like yes, you guys hit the nail on the head. I'm a Lions fan, and I'm going to root with all my heart for the success of whatever two guys come in here. I, I just, as you said, Collins, I've, I've been given no reason to believe that – Like, and what scares me is that there's no obvious hire. I hate how, like, they're interviewing well, – Like I said – was an obvious hire for the head coach. I think head yes. coach there's an why? obvious hire. Because why? He's, because he's from here? That's no, why he's not obvious no, hire? Because, because he's defense. That, why? He, First of all, I, it, no, I want to take this track. He's, oh, def- he's the best defensive coach on the market, and I hate to be the guy. I, I know everyone wants to be like, let's throw offense. We just went defense. The defense is so irreparable that it's going to take three to four years from a talent aspect to be an elite level, whoever's coaching. So why don't you get a guy who's proven that he can do it uh, like at a very high level in Robert Sala and has a guy, it seems like a guy who could change a culture. He's energetic. And I think the enemy is another guy who I think could change a culture too, just with the pedigree. He is coming here and and he's not coming here. So I think Salah's a home run hire. All right. at, at, at GM, yeah. like we don't know anything about the GM, so I, I'm not going to comment. But I, I was yeah. all about Lewis Riddick because I think that gives you some sort of name credibility for a place like Detroit instead of just getting a random guy and the director of play personnel from like the Seattle Seahawks, which I'll probably do. So I, I don't know. Look, I, I, all I'll say about Sala and that I believe he's the obvious hire as well because he's the un-Patricia. He's literally everything Patricia wasn't. Patricia, not going to say much. Sala talks a lot, sometimes to a fault. Patricia isn't enthusiastic. Sala is. Patricia doesn't know how to coach defense. Sala does. So it's just like it, it's all that It's all that wrapped into one. He's the obvious hire. As far as GM goes, not going to act like I know much about the front offices and executives of the NFL because I don't but just don't hire anyone last named Quinn. That's all I got to say on that. I'm going to tell you one last thing before we do the report card. In the event that the Detroit Lions hire Marvin Lewis as the head coach, I will no longer be doing this podcast. Okay, just okay. so you guys know. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. We're going to have to I talk about it I don't hate it either. Later. This might be crazy. I, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. No, By I interviewing Marvin Lewis, the Detroit Lions, I, 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 I don't. This is all I'll say about it, guys. We could we could totally go gloves off on this Marvin Lewis subject because I know Rabs is pretty opinionated. I can tell. My my thing with Marvin Lewis is at least the Lions are leaving no stone unturned. Okay, and they've never oh done that. Voice, 
listen, Brabs, they've always fallen in love with the first guy in, in the – we knew Matt Patricia was going to be the head coach before he coached in that Super Bowl. So – and they got 41 on him or whatever it was. So, yeah. I, Marvin Lewis is at least – What a good hire Matt Patricia was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's just let's just talk about that for the next half. Yeah, let's Marvin just... Lewis was at least consistent, and he played in the division. Oh, consistent, consistently eight and eight. What do you mean? That's no, everything no, the Lions that, are trying. Oh, no, that's unfair, no, Raps. They, they, they won a division. Wow. They just they, they, they went to the playoffs. Dude, dude the Bengals haven't won a playoff game in thirty years. Okay, they, I, they're, they're, they're the, the only would... team. They're the only team in the NFL that has gone a longer duration of time without winning a playoff game than us. And Marvin Lewis was a part of that for like a decade. Rams, I I agree with you. That's why I did the second thought. I did the second dude. thought. Like actually, I do hate it. But the fact, like. It's unfair to say that Marvin Jones was just like a horrible, horrible Marvin, coach. Marvin Lewis. Lewis. Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis. Don't, don't, Marvin don't Jones spit on stinks. Marvin yeah, Jones. Speaking <laughs> of Marvin Jones, get him out of town. No, uh, uh, Marvin Lewis, I, I mean, he is mediocre. So that like contradicts everything I've ever said about the Lions. So I do hate it. Even though I think Marvin, <laughs> Marvin Lewis is kind of like similar in the fact where I think you need someone to change this culture and the players to kind of buy into I think the players would buy into Marvin Lewis. I think players sure. like Marvin Lewis. Oh, by the way, they're not, listen, listen, listen. We don't have to talk. They're not going to hire him. We don't have to talk about this. To. There's they're no way. They're not going to hire Marvin Lewis. Yeah. Apparently, Jim Caldwell is getting the Texans job, by the way. Well, they got to figure out a way to sell the shit to Sean Watson situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. All right, Trent, can you break down the report card episode. for us? Report card, then trifecta, and we're done. Trent, go ahead. Well, hold up. Let's let's. We'll, we'll, spoiler alert: We'll cut the trifecta. It's, no, it's, it's next week we're, we're doing a dozen next week. Half dozen. I'll, I'll, That's I'll, half dozen. Yeah, I'll give you six. I'll give you six questions next week. How's that? I'll just roll Damn. in. All right, kind of sad, but all right. Well, I sent a message in the chat here on Trent's the. Out a hot date. Come on, we gotta get this I, I, show I, on the road. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Trent didn't like that at all. Oh, all right. <laughs> Detroit. No. I, didn't, I didn't hate it. Detroit Lions report card 2020. We're just going to go by position group here. I guess, Rabs, you yes. want me to leave this or do you want to? Yes, yes, you know, of course. Yes, yes. What if I cut out for the 25th time on this on this podcast? Then we'll just end the show. Okay. Sounds good. Um, basically, it's very simple. It's exactly what it sounds like. You give a letter grade for each position group. So I'll start. Quarterback. We'll start with quarterback. I am giving the quarterback position an A. This was not Matthew Stafford's best season statistically or in the win-loss column, I understand, but I don't care because the only way the Lions ever win for the 100th time on this podcast is if Matthew Stafford plays A+. And when he's working with a defensive guru, I use that term very lightly, like Matt Patricia, who probably put together like, I don't know, a 30th, 31st best defense this season. It's just going to be tough to win when you're that quarterback of that team. So, but, but the, the, the meat and potatoes of the argument is Stafford started in all 16 games. He played through three notable injuries, all of them pretty much in the back half of a quote unquote meaningless season. He's a gamer and not to mention his alleged number one receiver, Kenny Galladay missed 11 and a half games and had a horrible alleged. year. Alleged, alleged number one receiver. So, from a statistical standpoint, Stafford had 4,084 passing yards. That was good for 12th in the league. That's his highest mark since 2017. He also threw 26 touchdown passes, which is a higher total than both playoff qualifying teams of 2014 and 16. So he played fine, all right? 
And needless to say, he showed up yet again, strapped them up, played every single week for the Lions, no matter the circumstances, including against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he only threw three passes. So I, I have no reason not to give Stafford an A this season. That's all I'm saying. Collins, we'll kick it to you next, I guess. Uh, I'm going to give him a C plus. Are we just giving Stafford or the whole quarterback room? Well, the whole quarterback room, but look, my disclaimer is like Chase Daniel. Like, what are we evaluating with Chase Daniel? Yeah, he stinks, and they overpaid him. That we already talked about that. So he values. Yeah, okay. Okay. The quarterback play on the field this year. Okay. How about the? I, I didn't think Stafford had a great year this year. I think the begin. I think he came on strong the last five games with Bevel, but he was like, and guess what? It's maybe not a fair criticism because Patricia was such an idiot and whatever but like I just didn't think that Stafford had I, I, not even a comparable season than he had last year when he was healthy and that, that might be unfair because he was having a career year before that I, I'll give him a C plus I just I, I didn't think he was great to start the year he just I, he, I didn't think so um I will give Matthew – I mean, the quarterback play. I will give Matthew Stafford, Stafford B minus Daniels F brought the average down to a C plus. I'll, I'll give Daniel an F. I'll give Daniel an F. Okay, yeah. Rams. Um, I'll give the quarterback play a B. And I will say that because I agree with Collins in the sense of I don't think that Matthew Stafford had his A game all year this year. I thought there were a handful of games where he was great. I don't think that there were any games that Stafford cost the Lions, as in that they lost because of him. And I don't think there's any games that were maybe left on the table because Matthew Stafford couldn't get the job done, at least to my, to my memory as it serves me right now without looking the games up game by game. Um, but as I said, I think if, if Matthew Stafford plays an AA plus this year, do they win one or two more games? Maybe. Sure. I thought he played absolutely fine this year. He is far from being the problem for why this team stinks. So I will give him a B. I would like to maybe give him a B plus as a bump, but absolutely fine play from him this year. Wasn't one of his best career years. You have to know too, he didn't have Kenny Galladay um, for most of the season and in, in a weird year and, and with the defense as bad as it was, I can't really fault him for much. I'll just say there was a couple games earlier, probably in like the first eight games. I looked at the Bears game. He takes a horrible sack. There was just a couple times where you saw him make a couple inexcusable mistakes in big, right, yes, crucial parts. Yes. The Indianapolis Colts game where they're like down seven and, and they just need to get like some sort of drive and he throws a pick like immediately to start that. Like there was a couple points this year where you saw that from Stafford. So that that is yeah. why I'll give him a C plus. B for me. Okay, so we have – a C plus and B pretty, pretty much widespread there. So let, let's do, let's do wide receivers. Let's do wide receivers and tight ends. Okay. I put them together. I know they're not really the same thing, but you look at the way the lions okay. use their tight ends. It's literally just like TJ Hawkinson going out. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give this group a B uh, and a lot of that has to do with Marvin Jones balling out. You guys know, I love him. Uh, finished with uh, his fifth season with the lions finished with 76 passes for 978 yards. He was uh, one criminally awful overturned touchdown call away from surpassing the 1,000-yard mark and hitting the 10-touchdown mark. But still in 2020, he became the only receiver in the NFL to have at least nine receiving touchdowns in the last two seasons. Uh, he also did the bulk of this against opposing number one corners as Kenny Galladay missed substantial time. Um, oh and, 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 no, no. So uh, Galladay, to no fault of his own, he was hurt quite a bit. 
Um, and that obviously, you know, the Lions offense was completely different when he was in there. But, uh, I mean, his best game came against Atlanta in week seven. He caught a bomb from Stafford in the final seconds to set up the game winner to TJ Hawkinson. So, uh, Hawkinson, I was pretty impressed with, obviously, a Pro Bowl season. And I just think, you know, Danny Amendola, forget about him. He's not coming back. Uh, at the very least, he's got value as a mentor somewhere else in the league, not in Detroit. And Quintez Cephas kind of impressed me in the playing time he did get. He dropped a couple balls, yes, but he was a healthy scratch for a game in the Patricia portion of the season. So, like, I'm just kind of rolling my eyes there. Like, I don't really think he had a huge opportunity to really get anything rolling. All in all, I wasn't disappointed with the receivers. I know the Lions need to address this position in the offseason and in the draft. They need more speed. But working with what you had, Marvin Jones balling out, Kenny only playing six games, TJ Hawkinson making the Pro Bowl, I give this group a B. Okay. I, 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 I'm going to be a little bit higher. I'll, I'll give you no why. Because you talked about Kenny Galladay. What's it called? Being – injured an entire year. Marvin Jones was fine. Damian Amendola, whatever. You know how I feel about him. Cephas was decent, but I give this group a B plus because TJ Hopkinson was very good for them this year. And, and that was something you wanted to see if you're a Lions fan and to see that your eighth overall pick is going to at least be something. And he's, and he looks like he's going to be a top 10, pretty productive tight end at the NFL level. I'm going to go with the B minus and my two bright spots from this receiving group are Marvin Jones and, and TJ Hawkinson alone. Um, obviously Kenny Galladay, I guess it's not his fault that he was hurt the entire season, but um, just aggravating to me that you didn't get to see him out there. Um, the that only guys of- that, yeah, yeah. The only guys that make plays for Matthew Stafford are Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson. Like everyone else to me, like Danny Amendola, Mohamed Sanu had a couple like nice grabs during this, his limited role with the, with the lions. Um, Quintez Cephas was fine, but B minus because I think Hawkinson had a great year. I thought Marvin Jones made some huge plays in Kenny's absence, but again, I always, I always come back to yards of separation and playmaking ability of which your receiving core really doesn't get any of those done. They don't check those boxes. So as we're not going to talk about the draft this upcoming year, if Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase are there at seven, I don't hate it because no your, receivers, no your receivers don't make plays for your quarterback. Besides Kenny Galladay, when you throw him the jump ball, which he's great on, TJ Hawkinson had a great year this year in a league where that's that's dominated by Travis Kelsey being the number one, Darren Waller being the number two, I guess George Kittle in there as well. Um, Hawkinson was right there in the mix of like the top three to five tight ends this year. You can't ask for much more. He was great. He's, I, I know Stafford loves throwing to him. So um, for that reason, B minus, but they got to be better. You got to, you, you got to have some, some more playmakers and more speed on that in that wide receiving core. I, and I'm pro them drafting a wide receiver first round. I don't I care. We all are. Yeah. And, and I, I would like them to go defensive side of the ball, but like, if you a Jamar Chase or a Devontae Smith's there, you have to take them. And especially and, and, because it's looking more yeah. and more like they're either gonna tag Kenny or just trade him. Like yeah, tag so, and trade. Yeah. They better tag him. So yeah, they better. But it's like that the, those two guys and if Fields somehow magically drops, I think those are like the like no brainer pits. And we'll talk about the draft later, but that, yeah, that's, yeah, just yeah. How, that's how I feel about the position. Very fair, very fair. We're in agreement there. Um 
So B plus, B minus B, pretty, pretty uh, solid. Okay, running backs. This is a very tough group to evaluate because it was just so Ooh. like bad really all year. I'm gonna say D. And when, oh. when, when Adrian Peterson went, listen, listen. When Adrian Peterson was signed right before the season, there was all this buzz. It was kind of exciting to see him like on a different team other than the Vikings. And, you know, like you want to see him trying to gash some people for the Lions instead of against you all the time. But like by the time week four or five rolled around. Everyone was done with that experiment. He took carry on Johnson's carries and he took DeAndre Swift's carries and he led the lions and carries for five of the first six games with 23 year old carry on 21 year old DeAndre Swift, not getting much run. So there are circumstances. And I've said this all year where you can use AP and that's either on the goal line or in the short yardage situations. And I actually think the lions did a pretty good job of that, especially in the back half of the season when they cut his carries overall back. But I mean, other than that, like, carry-on just didn't get much of a chance. He was great in pass protection. DeAndre Swift was exceptional when he got a chance, but we also have to remember he dropped a game-winning touchdown pass. So I'm factoring all that in here, and I'm going to say D-plus for the running back room. Wow. I, I think that's really low just based on the fact that DeAndre Shift, Swift showed more than Trump. <laughs> what, Shift? Yeah. Defensive Shift. Eight. Rod Gardenhire shifts are still in my mind from this summer that I'm just so mad. But DeAndre yeah, Swift, funny. DeAndre Swift has, I mean, I thought like, like he's a hit, like he's going to be a good player for this Lions team for the next three to four years, barring injury. So I, I think that just gives a position at a like when you look, you look at it future wise. I don't know what they do with carry on because I think his deals up, right? I believe so. No, or, no, they got. Do they have a team year. option on him or something? Well, he was a rookie in twenty. He's a rookie in twenty eighteen. He's definitely got another year or two. Well, he's a second rounder, so I, I don't know. I don't know what his rookie four contract deal, looks then. like. Yeah, yeah I, four years. I don't know. Uh, so I don't know if he sits around. But if you look at that running rack room, just starting with DeAndre Swift, I think you can figure it out. So in, in general, they give it a B B plus. They handled the position horribly this year. But when well, you just I guess that's at, more when, you that. at, when you look at personnel, like I'm excited to see DeAndre Swift the next couple of years, and that's why I'm giving it a B plus. Hey, also don't forget Jonathan Williams fumbling twice or whatever it was oh, on yeah. things. I, 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 I <laughs> that was I didn't wild. Yeah. Didn't even know that. Did he get cut the next day? Should have. Sorry, he didn't that's finish good. the season. I don't think so. Yeah. Rams, we'll give it to you, running back. Um, I would say I'm teetering between C plus and B minus here, but I'm probably I'll uh, I'll go B minus performance wise because I think Adrian Peterson had a a couple a few games this year where he was like he looked awesome, like vintage AP. Um, I thought DeAndre Swift when he was available and healthy showed some tremendous promise. And, and just him in, in specific, DeAndre Swift, probably the most exciting running back that I've watched the Lions have in my lifetime. Like, and I've only, you've only seen him for one year and not – Come on, Kevin Jones? Well, that's what I mean, dude. Like, who, like, Artus Pinner? Like, who, who, yeah. who is my – like, I, I – like, as far Kevin as guys Smith, that can, that can produce and just electrify out of the backfield, like, DeAndre Swift – 
has that ability to be like a, a, a Alvin Kamara in the sense that he can receive out of the backfield, except for the Bears game, obviously. And even when they hand him the ball off, like he can get like five to seven yards a clip. Um, so he was great. As far as carry on Johnson is concerned, I think it was so criminal the way they managed that running back room this Horrible. year. Um, I'm glad that Adrian Peterson will, will be gone for now. And if you start the season with just – I mean, between Swift and Carrion, if Carrion's deal is up, which I don't think it is, you got to keep him around. I mean, that's the thing with the Lions, too, is, is I feel like you didn't. I mean, it's not like you're seeing DeAndre Swift touch the ball 25 times a game. And not that the, like the league is a passing league now. And I get that. And you don't have Derrick Henry on your team that you can just or Jonathan Taylor. that You can feed the ball to 25 to 30 times. But. I mean, God, next year, if you finally just could commit to like, hey, DeAndre Swift is our rookie, was our rookie running back last year that has some great promise. If you can give him the ball 20 times a game and let him run, I mean, maybe you'll see a guy rush for 100 yards. Like, in that, like we, I feel like people, not that, not that like yardage is everything as far as like, oh, well, they don't have guys that rush for 100 yards. And that's like the metric that you have to use to see if you have a good running game or not. But it's like they don't they haven't rushed for 100 yards since they rushed for 100 yards. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. their, their running game still ass and because they won, they don't commit to it. And two, we got Adrian Peterson running the ball. So right. be, be minus for me as far as production goes. It yeah. is what it is. You definitely look at like Daryl Bevel probably not coming back. 99% chance not him. coming back. Dude. No, so you, sorry. You, you assume that that will get a little more balanced in the future. Well, let's round it out on offense with the O-line. I'm going to give them a B minus. I would maybe consider Ooh. going like B or B plus, A minus. But listen, like, oh, oh, well, okay, first of all, Frank Ragnall this made is the crazy. Pro Bowl. I think I'm more positive on their personnel than you guys on all these. <laughs> Well, I, I think I, I have two big reasons I'm so low on the O-line. I say so low, I, I'll give him a B-. minus. You know, I'll give him a B. I'll give him a B. I was teetering between B- minus and B. But look, there are two big factors here. One, Halapula Vati Vaitai stunk. Oh. You paid him $10 we, million. By the way, we all said that when they signed him. We all said that was going to be a bad deal. Yep. Yep, we all said, Literally why wouldn't you just pay Graham Glasgow that money? Yep, yeah, we all did. stupid. Frank, hey, now he's, now he's here for four more years, so cool. Yeah. yeah. Frank Ragnall made the Pro Bowl. I was very impressed with him. Very impressed with Taylor Decker. Like you said, Rabs, last week, he's a guy who's probably going to have a voice in this organization for the next five, ten years, however long he's here. You know, he's going to play here his whole career, it sounds like. So that's pretty cool. But there were also three games where the Detroit Lions were atrocious in protecting Matthew Stafford. That was the Titans game. That was the Panthers game. And famously or infamously, I should say, that was the Green Bay Packers game at Christmas time on prime time. Just horrible. I mean, you had like two seconds to throw every time. So I, I, I'll, I'll give him a B. There's work that needs to be done. But overall, I'm really impressed with Jonah Jackson, the rookie out of Ohio State. I think he can be a really nice piece. He had a better start to the season than an end. But, you know, I think he definitely got something there in the third, fourth round whenever they drafted him. Um, I'll be interested to see Logan Stenberg, if he can stay healthy, drafted also around the same time as Jackson. So there's definitely a, a lot of positives, but there were three games where I think the O-line played a very big part in the loss. And also Halapulavati Vitae is the reason I'm giving the Detroit Lions offensive line a B. Okay. He's stunk. I'm going to give him a – based on – personnel and what i see in the future i'll give them and th and i'm doing this in the like grand scheme of lions like of what i've seen and like what it's looked like 
this is one of the better offensive lines I think the Lions have had under Matthew Stafford. So I'm going to give them a B plus. They're not awesome. They're not maulers in the run game, but pass pro Radnow and Decker were really good this year. And, and you said they're not like busting out for bid. Like, like, wow, that was a 220 yard rushing on the ground performance from the Detroit Lions. You're not seeing that, but like, there were holes there. You know what I mean? It wasn't inept in the run game. So I'll do my B plus because they were really good at pass, bro. I thought for the majority of the year. And, and there, there was a couple games where it kind of like the second half and they're down like 20 and they're, uh, they know they're throwing it every time where the D line kind of gets after them. But when they were on schedule, I thought they were really good this year. I will give the offensive line an A minus because I actually thought that they, as you said, Collins and pass protection, I thought they were fine this year. There were a couple games, Trent, which is where the minus comes from, where they just looked bad. And I felt bad that Stafford had to deal with it between Taylor Decker, who last year I had a lot of problems with him as far as penalties and missed assignments go. Um, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, who honestly find me a better center in the league than Frank Ragnow. Thank you very much. Um, and Jonah Jackson at one of the guard spots. Um, I am so comfortable with those three moving forward. Um, I know between like Joe Dahl and Stenberg and Abushi and Tyrell Crosby. Um, I don't know where those guys fit in. It felt like it, in some games based on injuries, it was like a lineman by committee type deal at the other guard spot. Um, and then Vitae, who you brought in as a right tackle, who was hurt in a lot of games with that foot injury that I think he came over with a foot injury as well. Um, that was bothering him. And of course, Matt Patricia just, just had to put the guy at right guard, which is not his normal position. So I don't know, maybe he gets healthy this off season and they saw something that they liked in him and they keep him around and he plays right tackle for you next year. I don't know what the plan is for him. If it were up to me right now, I'd say get rid of him for whatever you can, but I get that money is an issue here. So I'll give him an A minus. I think you get three out of the five guys there that I'm very comfortable with. You got to find two other guys that can play their positions and, and hold their own, but um, got to get better in the run game. As you said, Collins, there's no maulers up front. You don't have the Colts offensive line that can push you back for a bunch of yards and open up holes for your running backs. But with that being said, I think they ran the ball somewhat well, considering how, how limited they use the run game this year. So A minus for me. All right, defensive side of the ball. Let's uh, let, let's start with the D line. Look, I I, I don't want to. We'll probably get repetitive here with the defense because things are just terrible. But as far as the defensive line goes, I'm saying D. The only reason I'm not giving this group an F is because Romeo Okwara played exceptionally, considering the value you have him at. I think Deshaun Hand is still like the jury's still out. I think he can still be a good player, at least a contributor. Austin Bryant, same way. When he's healthy, he shows a little promise. And Julian O'Quara, when he was in there, he made a couple plays, had a couple tackles for loss. You look ahead to next season, those are your four guys you've got. Trey Flowers is getting paid too much. I like him, but he's getting paid way too much. Danny Shelton's too slow. And as a, as a group, this team just it never stopped the run. And I, I actually attribute that more to the linebackers, and we'll get to them in a sec. But this team never stopped the run, and it never got pressure. And look, I think to an extent, you're a product of the system the Lions were running. Like, it was terrible, and it was just never going to work, and it was doomed for the start. So it's unfair to evaluate these guys on individual play, but as a group, it was a D for me. Uh, F. Romeo Requar is the only one I would like to see back next year. Basically it. Uh, and um, Trey Flowers paying way too much money, doesn't do anything. Danny Sheldon stumped this year. Uh, like Penasini wasn't bad, 
but like he wasn't like game changing. Deshaun Hand wasn't bad when he saw the field. Austin Bryant wasn't bad when he saw the field. Other than that, I mean, they were the worst run defense basically in the league. They stunk. F. Um, I'll go D minus. Uh, I thought, as you guys touched on, Romeo Aquara was a tremendous bright spot. Um, Trey Flowers, I really felt like I didn't hear his name a ton this year. Um, and maybe he does get doubled. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think the defensive line has been a problem for who knows? I mean, for the last handful of years, at least. Um, but yeah, Aquara was a bright spot. I just think, I mean, they were abysmal in stopping the run. They never got home to the quarterback. So D minus. All right. Linebackers. I think we can make this one pretty quick unless you guys want to evaluate it all. Ah, uh, terrible. Jared Davis, Jamie Collins, Reggie Ragland, Jelani Tabai. You're horrible. None of them should be back next season. That's all I have to say. Can't stop the run. Can't cover anybody too slow. As my buddy Will Gersett says, Tavai, he could run faster than Tavai. Tavai yeah. stinks. He was horrible. I don't know why they played him on the inside the entire year. It didn't make any sense. And then they, like, finally gave Davis a shot at the end of the year. And, like, he wasn't better. But, like, still, it was just odd that they were just like, let's just stick with Tavai. Like, he could figure it out maybe in coverage. He stunk. Jamie Collins wasn't horrible for, like, just six, like, games. That was basically it. But, I mean, they stunk. They're horrible. They're an F. Now they're F. This defense sucks, especially their front <laughs> seven. Uh, I'm going to say F. Stink, stink, stunk. I Whatever linebackers get paid to do, our linebacking core did none of it. Um, Jared Davis, been a pleasure. We'll see you later. Jelani Tavai, you can pack your bags as well. Jamie Collins, let's hope you retire this offseason. Reggie Ragland, whoever else they had in there, God bless you, but uh, time's up. I, They didn't stop the run. They never got home in, in, in any – Terrible in coverage. Blitz, yeah, in, in, any, in any blitz package, they Terrible never got home. Thing. And they can't cover like they, none of them, not, not a single linebacker. You do, you look around the league, man. And that's where I get so frustrated with this lion's defense and having this schmuck here for the last three years as defensive genius. You see how scary some guys are on defense, like Aaron Donald. I get that's a generational player, Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, JJ Watt, uh, uh, Miles Garrett, these linebackers around the league that just blow plays up in the backfield. I cannot remember a Jelani Tavai or Jared Davis or Jamie Collins sack, let alone interception, let alone broken up pass, let alone open field tackle. They're slow. They suck. They all get an F, and I want none of them back here next year. Thank you very much. TB? Okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I think I was asleep. delayed there. But, okay, asleep. all right, secondary. It's going to be some of the same here for me. No, 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 it froze up on me again. Sorry. Uh, secondary, <laughs> it's much of the same for me. F, dude, why why, why do I have to give any of these guys credit? Uh, okay, Jeff Okuda didn't impress. Desmond Trufant didn't stay healthy. Coleman is no longer really a playmaker, it looks like. Granted, he's working with some uh, very below-average corners. Amani Oruwariye is a guy who I – and Collins, I know you feel a certain way about him. He was Your the best less corner of this year. All, he was the least of all evils. I'm not saying he was great, but he, he was, was average. best corner this year out of a group of schmohawks. They all stunk. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. But Amani Oruwariye at least had made a couple plays, okay? Daryl Roberts is a guy who at least played hard. 
But, dude, I, as far as the cornerbacks go, that was a horrible first season. So much for, for not paying Darius Slay. It is what it is. But then as, in the safety, Tracy Walker is better at strong safety. They try to play him too much at free safety this season. And I don't know if – I don't know how active you guys are on Twitter, but Tracy Walker tweeted something like, you know, players can play bad as a result of bad coaching. He just kind of tweeted that. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But it was something like that. So I, I, I expect him to bounce back next season after a pretty good first two years. Uh, Deron Harmon's too old. J. Ron Curse, I was actually a little impressed with early on, but he just got caught for, for going to the nightclub at a hotel or something. I Whatever. F. F across the board for the secondary. Horrible season on defense overall. Uh, F. And, and I'm just saying F because I – from a personnel standpoint, I think this is probably the place where it probably has the most potential, just what they have in-house. Because Okuda's going to get better. And the problem is that this year you just saw athletically that he's not the specimen that you thought he was going to be. Like, you never really saw one eye-popping play. Like, I think he'll figure it out. He's a big physical guy. He'll make his way into being a productive player in this league. I just thought he's never probably going to be worth the second overall pick which sucks, which is a part of this grade being an F. Tracy Walker, I'm glad you mentioned that. The safeties were worse than the corners. Will yeah. Harris and Dewan Harmon. Oh, okay. I didn't even atrocious. mention Will Harris. Will Harris was terrible. Thank you for bringing him up. He did, they were horrible. So I, I – and I don't know. I That's the thing. When you talk about – the front seven was bad. The bad seven was the, the reason. they This defense was so, so bad this year. Because every time, even if they got him – in a third down passing situation, uh, the safeties are in the wrong spot or they're not tackling at a productive area. You know what I mean? Like, it just stink. So, I, 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 I give me an F. The defense did the F's around the board if the listeners haven't noticed. Very um, fair. I'll give the secondary a D because I always say that it's hard to cover guys anyways in the NFL, and especially when you're when your uh, defensive line slash linebacking core cannot get home to the quarterback ever. So I have to cut him some slack there. I did not think Jeff Okuda looked good in any games this year, to be completely honest with you. And I agree that Collins, it's, it's more of an athletic thing than anything else. Um, uh, looking back to the secondary too, Jerron Harmon was bad. I'm glad J. Ron Curse is no longer. I don't know what he was brought in to do because he was horrible. Will Harris did not look good. Tracy Walker took a step back. I thought Amani Aruwarie was your best cornerback this year, believe it or not. I know he got picked on a lot, but – he didn't have much else there. So I give him a D because of how bad the defense was in totality. As far as them having stuff to work with, man, I, Collins, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Like, I think well, everyone the, on well, this defense. You, you, is they, have, they have less to work with on the front four than they do in the, on the secondary. And, and because <laughs> Jeff Okuda, as bad as he was his first year, if you remember what Darius Slay was as a rookie, he stunk too. He was bad. And I understand he wasn't the second overall pick. But I'm just they're, saying there's they're, room they're. there. There are younger guys where they're like at least playable. I don't think there's a playable linebacker on this roster on a good team. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear and, you. And but... I think if you put Tracy Walker in the right situation, he's already showed you he can be a productive player. So that's, that's sure. my point. D for me. All right, special teams. We'll round it out. Actually, actually, we'll do coaching. F, there. I F. think we all agree. Yeah, F. F, coaching, front F. office. F. Fuck F. you, Patricia. Special, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, we, can we make that the title of the episode? Just kidding. It has to be. Uh, it has to be wings related, of course. Is our wings our wings show? But, 
but special teams, I'm going to go with a B. Matt Prater needs to retire. Jack Fox, best punter in the league. And that's kind of where it ends for me. I'm not really good at evaluating everything. Jamal Agnew was pretty solid. I think you've got something there where you can keep him as your return specialist for the next three, four years, whatever, until he gives you reason not to. Yeah, he fumbled a couple balls here and there, whatever. This team stunk. It didn't really end up costing them any games. It didn't matter. So you've got Jamal Agnew. You've got Jack Fox. you got to try to find a new kicker. Um, and, and, and as far as the Gunners, go, you know, I love Jalen Reeves-Maven. So I, I, I'll give this group a B. Uh, I'll give him a B plus. His chat Fox is awesome. Like he's unbelievable. Like he's that was really lightning good. in a bottle. That guy lightning yeah. in a bottle. He's like, he's awesome. Awesome. Like Johnny Hector, like prime stuff. Like, uh, did he win first team? Was he all pro this year? He was all pro second team. Well, he probably should have been first team to be honest. Like he, he <laughs> was, I mean, I don't know who won for whatever, but like to have a weapon like that at punter, is huge and at kicker, I think they're gonna stay with Patr- uh, Prater for one more year. As oh bad as as bad as he was, every pressure situation, I will always believe Prater will hit that kick. Well, that's true. He won you two games. He won you the Atlanta game and he won you the Washington game. So you do have to and give him credit where credits do. But he wasn't good this year, though. He wasn't. He, no- so. he he noticeably has lost his leg a little bit. So yeah, Brad, what do you think? I'm going to give him an A minus. Um, and Jack Fox is the reason why I thought, I think Jamal Agnew, when he holds on to the ball as a fine, fine uh, returner, the, the minus comes from Matt Prater and missing some kicks. And yes, he did win you games. I'm telling you guys right now, if Matt Prater is kicking for the lions next year, he is going to miss kicks that lose you games. I'm just letting you know, based on his age and based on his, his, uh, How about his regression, his- well, hey, he won. I mean, hey, he won the whole city some beer. Did you guys see that? that? I, I yeah, don't, great. That I'm, I'm glad. So mad. Like I don't. I'm glad, care. The I'm glad the recovering alcoholic got everyone beer. Like that's like really. Yeah. Like, great, dude. Life. Thanks. Shout out. But I, I'm telling you right now, you guys think Prater's gonna be here for one more year? If that's the case, you're gonna you're gonna lose a game or two next year because he's gonna miss a kick. I'm just letting you know. Like he's he has noticeably regressed. Like that, yeah. yeah. Does he does he hit big kicks sometimes? Sure. Like yeah, he had a couple this year that were great. But like the guy, he's missing like automatic chip shots. Like good. If you can find the thing about you found a diamond in the rough in Jack Fox. Can you go find a kicker that's like somewhat consistent? I mean, Young Ho Ku was like is the best kicker in the league this year. Yeah. Be careful. Be be careful what you wish for, Ravs. You want to talk, that. dude? You want to talk about culture? You got this guy walking in eating cheese fries out of his belly hey, button at hey, the meetings. Hey, you want to talk about culture? <laughs> hey, I like clean Prater. it up, clean it uh, up. He wasn't good this year, but I, I'm a Prater guy through and through. <laughs> all right, that's all. Okay, well, that that wraps it up. That wraps it up. Then I'll what have an a episode. Super, I'll oh. have I'll have a super six <laughs> next week instead of a trifecta. Yes, <laughs> but as that, that wraps up our two hour Motown marathon. Wow, nice. I love it. Yeah, that's the title. Rundown, it was a marathon. Yeah, we'll see about that, Collins. We'll see if it makes the cut. Um, all right. Well, Red Wings, we're playing tomorrow. Check them out um, on the 14th. Are you playing for them? January? Huh? Are you playing? You said we. Red Wings? Oh, I said the Wings are playing tomorrow. Check them out. I was kidding, but okay. 
<laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Time to go. Uh, that's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Valley and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Why would you miss an episode? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. New episodes every single week, and we will see you next time.